Amen. Thank you, Austin. Will you pray with me? Holy One, you are love and love is love. And you are here because you are love and you will never disappear. May we, in these words, come to realize that you are indeed closer than we think. Amen. I had a conversation this week with a young man I met in Ocala where we went to vacation. And he knew that I worked for the denomination, but he wasn't quite sure what I did. So I told him, I said, I work for MCC in the Office of Emerging Ministries, and I develop diversity and inclusion curriculum and resources for our congregations around the world. Well, when he heard me say emerging ministries, he kind of smiled a little bit. And he said, jokingly, I believe. So you're the one who could tell people where they can find all those crystals and such, right? So he, he went on and said, um, so do you really try to help people find God in crystals? So I thought about that for a moment. I told him, actually, yes. Yes, I am that person, and I smiled back at him. And I said, if we as Christians truly believe that God is in all, and is all, and is through all, then yes. I am the one who will help someone find God in crystals if that is the path to finding God that they are on. And I hope you'll join me. He just looked at me and it's like, I'll prepare myself for whatever's about to come. <laughs> and he said, hmm, I like you. <laughs> Barbara Brown Taylor says it like this. At least one of my lessons in learning to walk in the dark has been about learning to let go of my bright ideas about God so that my eyes are open to the God who is. In this week's chapter, Entering the Stone of Learning to Walk in the Dark, Brown Taylor experiences learning to walk in the dark through spelunking. And if you don't know what spelunking is, it really, it's going into and exploring caves. She enters the stone and she invites us to do likewise. Brown Taylor says that this type of darkness is so complete that you literally cannot see your hand in front of your face. She became interested in exploring caves when she realized that Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, St. Patrick, a host of other saints and nuns and monks also practiced abiding in the darkness of the cave as a spiritual practice. She wondered what drew them to those dark places which most of us try not to go into. And what did they find there that kept them going back? I believe that they found communion with God. Amen. 
They found in the dazzling darkness their next steps on their spiritual journey with God through their encounters in that very dark place. In this chapter, she shares with us that Buddha meditated regularly in caves all across India, China, and Tibet, and that many of, their many of his disciples still hold to that practice. So when she was traveling through some of these countries, she actually asked guides to take her to some of the locations where the Buddha had indeed practiced meditation. I've read that Muhammad actually used to spend a great deal of time in a cave about two miles outside of Mecca. It's said that it is in that cave that he received the very first verses of the Quran from the angel Gabriel. And Jesus, she reminds us, was born in a cave, often went to caves to pray, to be by himself, and he rose from the dead in a cave. By all accounts of the resurrection, a stone blocked the entrance of a cave, and there were no eyewitnesses to the resurrection. Brown Taylor reminds us that everyone who saw the risen Christ actually saw him after the resurrection. She says that resurrection, if it happened as it is written, happened in complete silence, in absolute darkness, with the smell of damp stone and dug earth in the air. New life begins in the dark, be it a seed in the ground, a baby in a mother's womb, or Jesus in the tomb. Brown Taylor invites us to join her literally in the cave. She says that this complete isolation and deprivation of visual, visual stimulation is so intense that it forces us to go inward, to experience the total intimacy that St. Patrick did when he encountered the divine. You see, St. Patrick's experiences in the dark allowed him to inform his own process about understanding how to meet people in the places where they were, not in the places that he was. You see, when he went to Ireland, Druid rituals were still being practiced by the Irish during that time. It was during his time in the cave that God opened his eyes to incorporating some of the Druid rituals actually into their practice of Christianity. It is said that St. Patrick is the one who is renowned for creating the design of the Celtic cross, which actually combines native sun-worshipping ideology with that of the Christian cross. St. Patrick let go of his ideas of how to embrace the practice of Christianity in order to open a pathway for God to speak in the language of the people who he was ministering to. It allowed them an opportunity to embrace the Christian faith. Patrick learned to let go of his bright ideas about God so that his spiritual eyes could be opened to the God who is so when I began thinking about how does this apply to us today, a quote from Wendelberry came to mind. To no dark, go dark. 
Well, okay. Hmm. Where where are you going with this, God? I'm I'm not sure I know where you're you're heading with this. You know, not all of us can go into the darkness, go into a cave for a plethora of reasons. But what quickly followed behind go dark came disconnect. What we do is simply unplug from technology for an hour or two. Be still and know God. We turn on our cell phones and our iPads and our iPhones all the time. I believe that God is calling us to disconnect from technology just for a moment. Spend some intentional time being still and listening for the very voice of God, for God is still speaking. Brown Taylor says that in these moments of intentionality, that we should ask God for the answers to questions that are on our heart. That we should sit still and listen for the answers. But disconnecting is hard. Okay, I will use I statements because I don't see any kind of agreement out there from anyone. So this is obviously my issue and my issue only. I find it difficult. <laughs> and I will own it to disconnect, to go dark from my gadgets. Even when I'm on vacation, I was thinking about you know, back in 1990, when I went on vacation, all I would take is a book, something to drink, a little suntan lotion, and I could sit for hours at the beach and read or just enjoy the splendor that was before me, watching the sunrise and the sunset. Yet today, actually this past week, we were on vacation and I used my smartphone to check both my personal and my work emails. I tracked the progress of the Sanctuary Choir as they drove up to Dallas and posted pictures. I text to find out how the Wednesday night class went. I also checked on the virtual Facebook class that is currently going on. I checked out my daughter's and my cousin's Instagram post because um, there is a new baby, not my daughter's, but my cousin's. And I, um, I set up programming pages for all of the events that will be happening in spiritual development for September through December because I knew you needed to know right then. And then... <laughs> I worked on this sermon a bit. All the while I was on vacation. Hmm. Perhaps God was speaking to me about disconnect. I had very little real downtime and almost zero dark time. I forgot to be in communion with the God who is. I forgot to pay attention to taking care of my own self. I allowed zero time 
to become open to what God was presenting me with. I missed out on experiencing who God is. So when we arrived back home yesterday, I took an hour and I unplugged. I went dark and I sat still and I listened intently. I asked, what is the word that I need to bring to your people? What is it that they need to hear? And the reply was, don't miss the beauty in the darkness. And let them know that the way out is indeed the way in. Brown Taylor writes it like this about going into the Oregon cave, and, and I quote, it looks like a good stopping place. When I reached up to turn off my lamp, I see something impossibly sparkly just above my head, and I stand up to get a better look. It's a long, thin fissure in the rock that is full of tiny crystals, every one of them catching the light, tossing it back and forth. What better souvenir for my day in the cave? I aim my headlamp at some pieces that have broken off. I choose the one with the most glitter in it, and I put it into my backpack before turning off my lamp and sitting down in the dark. Since my lamp is off, I think about how many hours I've spent in therapy doing more or less this same thing, walking around the boulders in my life. The difference between therapy and the cave is that therapy wants me to look back so that I can find another way out, not so I can return the same way that I came. Maybe. That makes a cave more like a labyrinth. As long as you stay on the path, you can't get lost. Maybe in, in time, but not in space. The path is circular. The way out is the way in. The path, like caves, never changes. It's literally set in stone but the walker changes. Not by looking back, but by moving ahead, trusting the path to teach them what we need to know. I encourage each one of us to spend some time in the dark, to unplug and really go dark for a moment in order to find the treasures that are awaiting us, to allow our eyes to be opened to the God who is. Brown Taylor writes about her finding the stone when she gets back to her hotel room. She notices that the stone now just looks like a piece of gravel, and she realizes that the room has too much light. So she cuts off all of the lights and she takes out her pen light. And she says, the stone is alive, but only in the dark. When I entered the cave hoping for a glimpse of celestial brightness, it never occurred to me 
that it might be so small. But here it is, not much bigger than a mustard seed. Everything I need to remember about how much my ideas get in the way. While I'm looking for something large, bright, and unmistakably holy, God slips something small, dark, and apparently negligible into my pocket. How many other treasures have I walked right by because they didn't meet my standards? At least one of the day's lessons is about learning to let go of my bright ideas about God so that my eyes are open to the God who is. I invite you, please, to create dark and unplugged moments. And if you will indulge me for just a moment, I would like you to experience an unplugged moment now. I will ask you to recite after me a piece of Psalm 46:10. So if you're comfortable, close your eyes. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know that I. Be still and know that. Be still and know. Be still and. Be still. Be. Know that even in the darkness, you are never alone. Amen. Mm -hmm.